LEAD 222 podcast, created to help student ministry leaders stay healthy and become more effective in life and leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Bo Boshears and Dave Hoodke. Welcome everyone to LEAD 222 podcast, where we focus on helping leaders and youth pastors to be healthy leaders, leading healthy families and ministries. You know, in each of our podcasts, we try to bring one of our five core values. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing healthy families. And I'm really excited about today's topic um, because we all are trying to make um, a kingdom impact in students' lives, uh, the youth pastors that are listening today, and to have healthy ministries. And in the last few weeks, have been very difficult in our nation, especially in our black communities. As a lead community, uh, we really want to... Uh, to lead well and help our students change the world, uh, to be a part of listening and learning in this conversation of race and social justice. And that's why, again, I'm so excited to come at the topic from a father's standpoint. This is going to be awesome today. I really think it's going to be very beneficial to all of our listeners. Our guest today is a good friend of Dave. Matter of fact, he was a father of students in Dave's ministry. So, Perry, later on, you can tell me the bad stuff of Dave. I'll get that from you later, okay? But what I want you to do, Dave, why don't you go ahead and introduce Perry and, and our guest? Yeah, so excited to introduce Perry Hines. Uh, I first met Perry back in 2005, and uh, he had two sons go through my student ministry. Perry and Lisa, Lisa's wife, have been such an encouragement to my wife and I, and and uh, I'm just so grateful for your friendship, Perry. Uh, it's meant a lot to me. Um, Perry spent about 25 years in corporate America helping companies market their products. He started his own consulting business about 12 years ago. He has an MBA from the University of Minnesota, a BA from Western Kentucky University, and spent a couple years at law school at Indiana University. He's been married to his college sweetheart, Lisa, for almost 34 years. Uh, she's a college professor at Butler University. Uh, they have two amazing adult sons. And most of all, Perry wants uh, you to know that they have a nine-month-old grandson named Isaac, who's the Congratulations. joy of life. And uh, I definitely have seen Perry light up when he talks about Isaac for sure. So Perry, welcome to the podcast. So grateful to have you. Well, Dave and Bo, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Perry. Again, yeah, this is going to be this is going to be good. Well, Perry, we, we connected a few weeks ago uh, because I wanted to listen and learn from you about all that's going on in our country right now racially. We seem to have finally reached a tipping point where more ears and eyes are open to what Black America has been fighting for far too long. First of all, from your perspective as an African-American, how would you summarize what is happening right now? Yeah, well, uh, David Bell, before we get started, I do really have a confession to make. You know, they say confession is good for the soul. So I really just want to make a confession. Um, before my good friend Dave here asked me to be on this podcast, I really hadn't, you know, done my homework. And I didn't really know a lot about your organization, kind of your goals and your values and kind of the kingdom impact you're trying to make. Um, now, that's a little embarrassing for me for several reasons. Uh, but it's mainly embarrassing because even though I recently begun financially supporting the ministry, I still really hadn't done my homework. And so I was just solely doing it because of my love and admiration and respect for Dave. But I do have to say that uh, in the last, the last week or so, when I've really gotten to understand your organization, I've really have come to love and respect the organization and what you're trying to do. So uh, I just wanted to start off with that little confession. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just, uh, it's, uh, it, for me, 
you know, it's just been a little embarrassing. And so now I'm, I'm kind of all in. And so I just want You're to on board. Thanks, Barry. Thank you, buddy. Well, anyway, so you had asked me a question about kind of my perspective, where I think that we are as a country. And, you know, I mean, I'm a little boy from a uh, little country boy from a small town in Kentucky, about 900 people. And in my church, we sung hymns. You know, I grew up in um, African Methodist Episcopal Church, Amy Zine. And we are, we just sung lots of hymns. And my favorite hymn was always Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I think about what's happening in this country, you know, Amazing Grace is such an old song. And what we tend to do is we tend to overlook how impactful the words are. So the particular phrase in that song really, uh, once I was blind, but now I see. Mm-hmm. To me, that is a phrase that just characterizes where America is right now. And so I think what, what we're doing as a country, we're beginning to wake up. And we're beginning to, get, beginning to see, truly see what's happening all around us every day. And I, I truly think we're in the middle of several pandemics. You know, that's the word that's kind of entered our lexicon in the last six months that I really, I don't think I've even uttered the word before six months ago, pandemic. But I think we're, we're in the middle of several pandemics that are happening in the country. Um, the, we are definitely in a medical pandemic with COVID-19. You know, we're in an economic pandemic, you know, with all the shutdowns and the sky high unemployment that this country is just a, it's burdening a lot of our, our, our fellow countrymen. Um, we're in a, we're in a definitely a cultural pandemic, you know, with all the racially motivated violence and things that we're seeing. But even more than that, I really and truly believe we're in a spiritual pandemic, you know. So in the backdrop of you asking me the question of how I see things in the country right now, that is really the backdrop. And so I really think that we're beginning to wake up, you know, and like the, like the song says, I was once blind, but now I see. I think uh, we're beginning to wake up and see that not everybody in this country is treated the same in certain, in all situations, if you will, um, like law enforcement encounters for one. But I think the country, we're beginning to wake up and see that um, it's not just about a few bad apples, you know, from a police law enforcement standpoint, although everybody wants to focus on that. I just look at it from a broader perspective, you know, because it just seems to keep happening over and over. And so um, we are in a much larger issue, uh, more of a systemic racism kind of thing versus just police brutality. Um, I think we're beginning to wake up and see that injustice uh, seems to permeate you know, everything we're doing in society right now. And it's just overwhelming. It just kind of just a, it, it, it has a way of uh, forming a haze over, over our society. And, you know, I think, I don't want to paint a really negative picture here, but it's important to understand context and background uh, when we're trying to solve and analyze any problems. But I think collectively, you know, thank goodness, I think we're beginning to come out of that. I think we're kind of waking up. I think we uh, collectively as a country, uh, we're starting to see um, that there are a lot of things that we need to um, pay attention to. And I like your words in the beginning, Dave, You're, you, you said that we connected you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I, I appreciated that because you're, we're, you basically wanted to listen and you wanted to understand. Um, and I think that is one of the things that we have to do in this country right now is we have to seek to understand and we have to seek to listen, not be right, not always prove our point, but I think um, collectively as a country, we really need to understand and uh, at least attempt to walk in another person's shoes, at least for, for a little while. Um, you really can't understand where someone's come from unless you have really um, have the 
I guess the uh, um, the not only ability but the, but the desire to see how somebody else sees a certain situation because we can we we can go through the same situation and experience it in a totally different way. So now, uh, as a black man in America, uh, I personally think it's a country where we have been somewhat numb to the cries of injustice from a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. But I think mainly our blindness just comes from, from the, the whole sin, and I, I call this a sin, it's a sin of apathy. And the whole idea of uh, if it's not happening to me, uh, if I don't see it, it's not, it's not really important and it's not happening to anybody else. Mm. Well, wrong. Nothing could be further from the truth. Just because you don't see it, just because it doesn't happen to you, doesn't mean that other peer, people aren't experiencing it. So to kind of sum up, you know, to, to really, if I had to say a, a, a summary, Dave, or a summary sentence or a thesis of kind of answering your question, it basically is, uh, I don't think we have a, um, I think, I don't think we have a skin problem in this country. I think we have a sin problem. You know, in a real practical way, like if, again, we have youth leaders all around the country have different types of demographics in their ministries. You know, some are predominantly white, some are more, depending where they're living. But as a father, is, would you say, what kind of conversations would you have today with students? I mean, if I had a few black students in my ministry, and you're, you know, as a father, would you want me as a youth pastor to go up to those young kids and say what? Would, would you want to hear from me as a youth pastor to call your house or to any type of practical, real ways to be sensitive to these students right now? Don't be afraid to lean into the conversations. But I know that people are a little nervous. Like, what, what do I do? What would you say to that in a real, hey, listen, I want a phone call, just anything you could encourage youth pastors to lean into this. Like you said, don't shy back. Can I just tell you, that's a great question. Um, and can I tell you what you don't want to do, though? Yeah. That's one right. Thing, one thing here, here's one thing you don't want to do. I don't need my feet washed anymore. You know, <laughs> don't go through a whole foot washing ceremony and want to do to, to buy a bond with them that way. Even our youth, don't do that. You know, I don't, I don't need that done anymore. And I don't think our youth even want that done. So, but I think all of our youth, all they want, and as a parent, all I want you to do is, number one, be, the, be there for my son or daughter, be there for them, be willing to help them, and be, be willing to help mold and shape them. So, I mean, it, you know, that's a real generic answer, but a lot of it, though, is just about presence. It's just about being there for them and having a listening ear and being empathetic and being willing to walk in, in their shoes. And, you know, as, as, uh, as leaders, sometimes we think we have all the answers. We always think we have all the answers. It's a one-way street to give the information to our youth. But our youth have a lot to contribute. And so if we can just find ways to connect and just listen to them, just make sure that you lean in and you just listen to what their fears are, listen to what their hopes and dreams are. And I know you do that, um, but be especially attentive to your students of color because they have learned to repress Trust me, they've learned to repress, they've learned to put on this mask, put on a face. In order to exist and live in this other world, it's almost a duality that we have to perform. Um, and you, have, you almost have to straddle this line, though, 
You have, you have to know that there are injustices in this world, but at the same time, you cannot let those injustices hold you back from pursuing your dreams and your hopes and desires. And if you have a hope and desire to make this world a better place, then you, you have to understand the realities that black people live in two worlds. And so as a youth leader, I want you to understand that they, they, they have this, this, uh, this special, if you will, burden to be who they are, you know, uh, uh, and be all that God has made them, but understand that they have to figure out how to do that in a world that doesn't always understand or appreciate that, you know? So uh, I, and when, here, here's, here's one thing. When I hear a lot of people say, I don't see color. I teach my kids not to see color. The world is colorblind. Well, as a black man and as, as a, as a, as a uh, young black youth, we want you to see us. We want you to see the color. Mm-hmm. Jesus saw color. He saw diversity. You know, uh, whenever you look at your wife, you don't, you, she's a woman, you know, uh, you, right. there are differences. And so we, we, I want you to see us for who we are. And when you ignore, you know, our color um, or, or, or where we come from, then you're not really seeing the entirety of us. No, that's good, Perry. Um, <clears throat> appreciate that, and 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 I think that is not only an encouragement, but it's you know something as youth pastors, youth workers, youth leaders that you know we need to take the reins of that leadership and make sure that we are um, moving the ball forward and leading um, in the way that. Um, you know, God's called us to. And, and so I think there's a lot of things that, um, you know, we need to, um, try to figure out on this topic. And I think part of it is listening and learning and, and, and taking those steps. So as a parent, what would you advise youth leaders who have students that may want to learn more about racial injustices and biases, right? They have that, that desire, but have parents that are not open to learning more. How do our youth leaders invite students and parents into this conversation? Yeah, well, you know, I really don't have any words of wisdom. I don't think I'm a particularly wise person. I just know that from the work I do in my professional life and the professional community, from the work I do in the faith-based, faith-based community, and also just simply by, by fervently praying and, and, and hard work over the years to try to be the best steward of my family that I could be, I know that we all must work together, you know, and even more so when you have parents who don't actually see eye to eye with what you, what you are seeing in society or even what your youth leaders are, are, are talking to you about. So I know we must work together, and I think God values relationships, and unity for me is the key to great relationships. Parents, youth leaders, and anybody else who has influence over our kids' relationships. Um, and also we were talking about a journey going on a journey in order to help our kids get prepared. We need to help them pack the right things to take on this journey with them because this journey is going to take many twists and turns. Um, and this is a lifelong journey. It's not a journey just that while they're, they're a student leader, but you, our youth leaders, uh, have, have all the equipment to help, uh, prepare our, our kids, uh, for this long journey. And as a parent, I can't think of anything better that I would want them to to experience is to, that to have a great youth leader to help them on this journey. 
So here's what I typically tell parents, you know, like I said, I don't really have any words of wisdom, but just what I typically tell parents and recently to a lot of my colleagues that in order to understand the situation, all we have to do is simply call C-A-L-L and, you know, being a little old country boy from Kentucky, I need mnemonic devices or acronyms to help me remember stuff. So, you know, the C and the, the word call, I think the C stands for, we need to challenge racism and injustice every time you see it. Big and small, yeah. you know, uh, being silent is, is no longer an option. And so make no mistake about it as a youth leader, when you're silent, silence means complicity. So you do have an obligation to, to, to speak out. Um, so to basically help our, our, our young kids really understand how, with love and grace, how they can call out racism, big and small, every time that they see it. So C is for call. A is actively listen. Yes. So, so uh, active, you need to actively listen to others to be a part of the solution. So pay lip service it isn't enough. You just can't, you know, pay lip service and always try to try to espouse your viewpoint and or try to be proven right. So you need to actively listen. Um, arm yourself with facts and info and just be sure you're packing the right things to take along on this journey with you. And I think that um, the not only do you call out racism whenever you see it, but uh, in order to understand and do that, you have to actively listen. So that's the A part of the day. Um, the L, the first L uh, in, in, in the call acronym is, and this is the hardest one for a lot of people. You know, I think you need to learn about somebody who's not like you. I think you need to experience some of, a bit of their life kind of walk in their shoes for, for a little bit, I think only then can you really uh, begin to understand what, what it's like to be that individual. And so I, I heard this the other day, and it's kind of cool, um, that uh, having someone over to your house to share a meal is a good start. Everybody says, invite them to dinner, invite them to supper, to have them over your house. And, and I, you know what? That's a good start. But you know what? It's not the end of the destination at all. Um, where you do it just once and, and then you can act, and then you can actually, uh, w when you only do it once, you really can't actively learn about somebody's life and get, become a part of their experience. So, here, and, and someone told me that this is really the, more the litmus test. Like I said, inviting someone over to dinner is a great start, but the active, the more, more important thing is the litmus test is how many of your friends of color, I'm assuming that people have friends of color, how many of your friends of color, how many of their kids' birthdays do you know? Mm. How many of their children's birthdays do you know? Because we all have people in our lives that we love, even if you're not a parent, but a lot of us are parents. And so our children are the most important thing to us. And so when someone that I'm interacting with, when they know my birthdays, uh, the birthdays of my children, that means they know about me. That means that they are an intimate friend. And so um, sharing a meal is great, but when you can dig deeper and understand them and really walk into, and walk into experiences and ask yourself that question, how many of my friends' children's birthdays do I actually know? Mm -hmm. um, and so the last L, um, and that should be the easiest one, but you know that's hard, the hardest one of all. And the last L is just love and value every life every life not lives that look like you not lives that live where you live you know uh, but value every life and you know yeah i'm gonna go there i'm gonna say it you know black lives do matter 
but Black Lives Matter too. That's a key phrase, Black Lives Matter too. Not, not only Black Lives, but Black Lives do matter and all lives matter. So when you, when, you are, when you love and value every life, I think you have empathy and I think you can um, understand someone's experience. And then I think a lot of injustices and a lot of just, just the basic inhum, inhuman things, uh, uh, the, the, some of the, um, the humanity of it all sometimes leaves a situation. But when you value that other person's life, then there's no way that um, you can mistreat them. So C-A-L-L. Harry, say that so it's, uh, give, give it again. C-A-L stands for what? Name it all. So C is you call out racism, you know, big and small every time you see it. A is you actively listen um, and try to understand someone else's life. L is you learn. You actually learn about who they are and you try to walk in their shoes. And the other L is you, you love and value every life. That's excellent, Perry. You know, again, you know our hearts. And as a father, I know you get this as well. But, you know, that's why I love student ministry. You know, we're talking today with men and women who really want, they love Jesus, and they really want to influence a generation. And with with the power of Christ, and, and you add to what you're saying, you know, to, to open our eyes, you know, to call. I mean, we have opportunity here to really change the world, and, and especially getting a wisdom from men like you. Um, Perry, there's a lot of information out there, and you all seem to be a man who knows quite a bit. And one of the things I'm trying to do on this side with lead is, is to listen and to, and to, like you said, to, to really learn. Um, I, there's a podcast that I was really impressed with. It was called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, and it's with Emmanuel uh, Ocho. And it rocked. And, and, and I was listening to that, and I loved what he said. He, he was interviewing a guest, but he was saying to get through this, similar to what you're saying. He used the word, there, there needs to be exposure, education, compassion, and empathy. And, yeah. you know, as, they were, as he was talking, and he's a, I know, he's a Christ follower, and one of the things that was pretty awesome, I thought, listening to that, that, oh, you add to that the life of Christ, what we could do if we live that. So I, so I want to ask you the same thing uh, with all the resources. What would you recommend our youth leaders and our leaders listening today? Uh, maybe some things they could listen to or, you know, to, to be more educated, to learn how to listen more. And what, what would you say to that? Yeah, sure. Um, that's a really tough question because the quality of the information is going to be entirely dependent on the source of the source of the information though. Um, and we all know that the best source of information for the things that we're talking about is the Bible. So if you apply that same philosophy that we were just talking about, and you get to know, you get to know authority figures in this space, you know, conversations, uh, uncomfortable conversations with a black man. That is a great series. The last one I saw was talking to Chip and Joanna and all of their kids. That was phenomenal. That, and I actually looked at that last night in preparation for this. I looked at it again, <laughs> if I'll be honest about it, um, because they, you know, they were bringing their children along on this journey. Chip and Joanna were bringing their children along on this journey with them to understand about injustices in the world. So, but, with, for, but, but like I said, if your, you, your reaction and what you're going to know, what our youth leaders are going to be able to help mold and shape our kids, it's only, the information is only as good as the sources. And so what, what you're going to have to do, and youth leaders are going to have to do a little homework here, um, you're, you're going to have to educate yourself a little bit. You're going to have to know, you know what authority figures or thinkers or what's in the space that we're really trying to understand 
what their philosophy is like and really what, what philosophies and thoughts resonate with you. But you just mentioned that, that that video series resonated with you. It stirred your soul. Mm-hmm. And anytime something stirs our soul, it means uh, it's going to stick with us and it's going to have an impact in our lives. And so ideally, you want to rely on something that's going to cause you to have a visceral reaction, a really strong feeling in your gut in a positive way, uh, something that is just going to stir your soul and ignite a passion in you. And so for the youth leaders and um, our, our, our um, student leaders at their student ministers, ministries, you got to do a little homework. You have to listen and figure out what authority figures, you know, resonate with you, what philosophies you like. But then you go, then once you understand that, you go deep. You really go deep into, into what they're saying and what they're doing. And so if, I, if, I, if I've said that, so having said all that, just some, to be concrete, Bo, some of the people that have really resonated with me over the last five to ten years, um, well, one is a Jamar Tisby. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, Jamar Tisby, T-I-S-B-Y. His first book was called The Color of Compromise. And The Color of Compromise is a really good one that takes you on a historical, sociological, and religious journey. It takes you from America's early colonial days through the slavery, through the Civil War, and it really covers the tragedies of Jim Crow and also the, the victories that we've experienced over the civil rights movement. And it, it kind of ends with the strides that are being done today with Black Lives Matter. But it's kind of like, it's not only the historical aspect, but the sociological aspect, but also uh, a religious aspect. And the, his book is called The Color of Compromise. And I think the, the, the subhead, you know, all books have like subtitles and it's kind of the, the role of the church's complicity uh, in uh, what we're feeling, what we're going through today. It's something about the role, the role of the church's complicity. And so it's really, it, he, it has a religious foundation to it. And that's, I really like that. So that's Jamar Tisby. Um, there's also a gentleman at Wheaton College um, named Esau McCauley. I think that, that uh, Esau really takes a fascinating look and it really, it really caught my attention a while ago. And he has since written other sev- several other books, but this one really put him on the map. And um, uh, that, so Esau wrote, uh, he basically uh, looking at the Bible from an African-American perspective. The name of that book now, Perry? Um, reading, while, sorry, reading While Black. Reading While Black. So he's basically saying that I'm interpreting the Bible from the perspective of an African-American race in the deep south. And last but not least, and I got to tell you, you know, last but not least is, you, and you got to read this, I tell you, adults, youth, youth workers, um, uh, everybody really needs, and, and you need to read it for yourself. So, and not rely on some summary or some synopsis of it. <clears throat> you really need to read MLK's letters from a Birmingham jail. Say it again. <laughs> MLK's letters from a Birmingham jail. So MLK, when he was arrested in Birmingham, he wrote a series of letters. And, they, and this series of letters really give you the depth and the breadth of what he went through in the civil rights movement. And even though it was in the 60s, <clears throat> excuse me, even though it was in the 60s, it's still really relevant today. So as a body of work and a collection, you know, it's the letters from the Birmingham jail. So they're, they're pretty common. You can find them anywhere. It's, they're free. But the collection of those letters, which he's writing, he writes some to his wife and children. His wife, Coretta, and, and his, his, his children, he writes some to the African-American community. And then he writes some, a series of, the, of them to the church community, you know, to, to all the, uh, uh, the religious leaders uh, of the time. And really, 
he really tries to prick their consciousness, mm-hmm. conscious basically, to say, how can you do this? You're, you're the leaders of the church. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at them all, it's just a great series of letters. I agree. Oh, that's great. Perry, thanks for those. We'll put those in our show notes and people can um, get access to those and, and find those. So as we you know, get ready to close here, um, as a parent, what words of encouragement would you share with student ministry leaders? Um, for student ministry leaders, I just want you to understand, don't ever, ever minimize the impact that you have on, on our youth. Open your eyes, take the blinders off, be bold, pack your bags, and take your students on this wonderful, wonderful journey with you. And I promise you, it will be the experience of a lifetime, not only for you, but more importantly, for your students. And then when you're 50 years old as a youth worker, you know, youth workers age out at some point, you're not youth anymore. So, and when you, as a youth worker, when you're 50 years old, your students will, who will probably be in their thirties at that point, then they can come back and tell you, and I guarantee you, they will tell you how impactful you've been in their lives. So just don't underestimate the impact that you have, but it is a journey. Pack your bags, take your students along with you. Perry, again, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast today and uh, really appreciate you and uh, your friendship. So thank you for joining us. Um, You know, we're going to continue uh, this conversation in some upcoming uh, podcasts. We've got uh, a couple uh, lead youth pastors uh, that are going to join us. We're going to talk about, um, you know, racial injustice through the uh, lens of youth pastors and uh, how we can continue, um, you know, to lead the way and move the ball forward uh, in this. And we just don't want to miss this moment and to really um, reach the next generation. And so uh, you're going to hear some more on this topic and how we can uh, continue to be healthy leaders uh, leading healthy ministries. And so be sure to look for that. Well, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, uh, rate, review it, share it with your friends. That would be um, awesome. We would really appreciate that. Well, again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Stay inspired. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Lead 222 podcast. Please consider joining our community of leaders. Together, we're committed to experiencing healthy lives, healthy families, and healthy ministries. Learn more at lead222.com.